0: I got hurt but help me MD, and turn me back into a healthy MC. Welcome to Farms Not Farms podcast episode 11. Today we're going to be discussing a huge topic and we are with someone who I respect greatly. His name is Charles Farley and he is the admin and moderator of uh, a group with over 5,000 members of people who are actively withdrawing and working with and learning how to work with cannabis to do so and various other modalities, methods, and uh, resources. And Hey, Charles, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, friends. Great to be here. Yeah, I wanted to bring you on the show today. You know, I, I think that whenever we talk about our own experiences, it's a little easier to be inspired. So, you know, perhaps you're inspired to share a little bit of, of your story and what you're doing to inspire others like me. And, you know, tell us why why you're here.
1: Well, I, I absolutely agree with you. It's easier to get, you know, the food from the farm itself. Uh, you trust the, the, the product, so to speak. Uh, the, gr- the group was started because... I was made aware, Uh, I'll take you back, I'm around 17 years old, uh, I turned 40 next week, so about 17 years old, I was uh, diagnosed having panic attacks, Mm you know, I had them, it was legitimate, you know, they happened, so, it freaked me out, because in 1997, when this happened, 96, 97, they weren't really panic attacks yet, they were, as far as the DSM was concerned, but... They were still seen as, you know, nervous breakdowns or something to that degree. Years before that, it was shell shock or something like that. So they weren't quite upgraded to where they're as common as anxiety or panic attacks or anxiety attacks are in in 2019. So I was in a therapist's office explaining what happened. He pulled out, you know, I guess, which was some sort of manual that described panic attacks You know, he said, read the definition to me. And it was basically what I was going through. Now, unfortunately, at that time, the next person I saw was a psychiatrist. And he just slapped me on antidepressants and benzodiazepines, Uh which are Valium, Xanax, etc., that sort of things. Uh, So, you know, nothing happened uh, for me at 17 years old. As a young male, as you can attest to, Brent, seventeen we're still chimps. You know, we're lucky we're lucky to be some sort of developed, you know, we're being led by emotions, we're still processing a lot of things. Our brains are not not nearly as developed as they would be in ten years. Um, I heard a thing the other day where now they're saying, you know, that the human male brain isn't even developed fully in between twenty six and thirty years old. Mm-hmm. So at 17, you don't grab a kid and throw them on medicines. You ask them about, you know, what's your life like, kid. You're 17 years old. What's your home life like? How are you eating? Do you exercise? What do you put it, you know, what do you put in your body? Is what's happening? That's what you do to a 17 year old. But they put me on medicine. That's you know, that's what it is. That's what it was. And so 20 years later, and multiple medications switching over and over and over again. I found myself dying to be off these medicines and I didn't know how and I wanted I wanted to be off them for a while but I never knew how and I heard horror stories you can't just stop benzodiazepines you'll seize up you'll die etc cetera, etc cetera, blah blah yeah. blah so I didn't know what to do and one day I came across it was kind of it was it was strange it was of a, a friend in Florida who spoke of someone else, a female friend of hers who was going through um, withdrawal of, of, of benzodiazepine as well. And I, at this time, somehow clicked with this person on Facebook, and she put me on the road to what's called the Ashton Manual, which explains... Professor Heather Ashton uh, explains exactly what benzodiazepine syndrome is, tolerance, withdrawal, etc., how to safely taper off and all the way down. That person, by the way, is is, uh, Janice Curl, who is an amazing advocate, and um, without her, I'd probably still be chasing my tail, or even worse, I may have taken advice from other people who didn't know better, doctors and nurses who told me just to stop, and that would have gotten Big bad, big big bad. Um, as as unfortunately, I've seen you know uh, being the admin of the group that I run. I unfortunately, and being a part of the, the there's numerous other groups as well. We just so happen to focus on cannabis, uh, but seeing the things I, I, I did, it, it's, it's a terrible thing to stop these drugs. People die. People last year. Uh, good friend of ours walked off a bridge. Um, you know, other people walk off into the woods. You know, it's terrible what happens when these medicines are stopped and these people have nowhere to go. So what you see is websites and people taking the social media and YouTube and etc pleading for help and you know, in these groups they offer advice, they offer support. It's great, it's wonderful, it's a place to go. A lot of them do not s- discuss Cannabis, Because they're not familiar with it. And there, you know, there's, there's hesitation to talk about what they don't know, like you spoke of at the beginning of uh, the, the podcast. Some of them just don't want it. Some people just, you know, you know the stigma, just, you know, it's another drug. But nowadays it's, I've gone through so many things that I see it as the medicine. I've used it as the medicine. I've had issues with my stomach. I've had psychosis issues. I've had depression. I've had anxiety that when you use cannabis helps. So I thought to myself, you know, to hell with it. I'll start a group. So I started a group. I asked Janice to help me because by that time I had been already started, tapering from my benzodiazepines and it's complete hell so she helped me start the group and we just let it run we let people come in and one by one by one by a hundred by a thousand they came in because they were referred by the other groups who didn't want to talk about cannabis and they came in and and they asked their questions and these are people who were completely lost not only from the medicine they're on but they don't know they don't know the first thing about cannabis to begin with so the group was originally started for psychiatric medicines i opened it to everyone because whether you're addicted to opioid or whether you're addicted to you know benzodiazepines whatever cannabis is a common bridge for all of that And I don't care that's stated in my group's ledger and rules and notes, whatever you want to call them, that no one's turned away. I don't care if you were on pills because your doctor told you. I don't care because – or I don't care if it was because you had a bad childhood or if you chose to go out and be an addict, whatever it is. The fact of the matter is you showed up in this support group. You're going to be welcomed and helped as long as you, you know – don't act the fool. And I even let people. I, I have a lot of leeway in my group because I know people are going through some shit. I've been through it myself, and that's and it's that's the whole thing. That's the entire thing. I went through it. I've gone through it. I'm going through it myself. That's how I can talk to these people. I don't know, you know, if this is just so happens where my life bottlenecks, where my use of psychiatric medicine, which. Unfortunately, led me, I had a big hand in me abusing opiates later on, having to come off those and then still being stuck with psychiatric medicine. I don't know if that's the bottleneck for me to just be able to have a common cause with all these things, cannabis, suffering, medical, uh, you know, for whatever medical advice I can give just firsthand. That seems to be the bottleneck, though, right there is all these things came together and I thought, you know, why not start the group? So the group became a support group for anyone coming off of any sort of medication that needed or wanted to know about cannabis in all its forms and how it could help them.
0: Do you see members of the group finding success using cannabis to withdraw from benzo?
1: thousand percent. Without, without doubt. Um, I see more help than I've seen in anything else. I see people who are able to eat. And this is this is not just benzodiazepines, this is opiates as well. And I can tell you firsthand, that not only have I seen this in other people, you know, it's myself as well. I've seen people who get their appetite back, able to hydrate better, able to sleep, able to go outside, all sorts of things. You know, pain is subsided. People who talk about, you know, having fibromyalgia, people who talk about, you know, there was a gentleman who had COPD and him he said smoking uh, helped him and COPD people would think, you know why would uh, you know stay away from inhaling anything and smoking helped him like cannabis use helped him so absolutely I see it across the board and any any type of uh, pharmaceutical withdrawal. I see uh, cannabis help and results positive.
0: Great. You know, just touching on COPD, there's definitely somebody who actually submitted a testimonial on .org who has COPD. An elderly woman was using the whole plant oil, a CBD oil, that I offered, and it was helping her, so she didn't even have to smoke um, to benefit from that. That's another thing that I want to touch on is the fact that benzo withdrawal can be worse than opiate withdrawal because you can actually die from a benzo withdrawal. Is that correct?
1: That's unfortunately a thousand percent, a hundred percent correct. Absolutely. It's, um, and I'll say this, because I can speak it because I know it to be true and other people can say whatever they want until they hear it from. If they need to hear it from an MD or a doctor, and you'll slowly start to hear more and more people. There's very few people that'll actually come out and say, yeah, just stop because the implications now are so drastic. And yes, that's the truth. While you can still die from opiate withdrawal, from dehydration, from complications from, from your heart, etc., whatever the case may be if you have underlining issues. Yeah. With benzodiazepines, typically it's... A high, high rate that you're going to have a seizure. There's a rough estimate about 30% of people can be all right coming off them. I've I've only seen a handful. Typically, probably because they don't come looking for help, they're fine, or they come the first few weeks and then they're gone. But that's that's the problem. Not only can you, not only can your body shut down and seize and yes, absolutely die but the withdrawals can be so the side effects and the symptoms the the you know the restlessness the anxiety spikes the akathisia akathisia is a huge one i suffer from akathisia terribly i pace 10000 steps easily a day on you know on a medium day and you know without cannabis i'd probably pace more uh, it helps and knocks that number down that's who we lost our friend to uh, in St. Petersburg. She had terrible akathisia, and she was fine one day, not fine, but dealing with it, and then she parked her car, walked up to the bridge, and walked off, brother. I mean, that, this is a couple hours from where I live. It's, it hits home, man. It's too close. I have family members who are going through this, you know, I see people who are insanely hurt. People are killing themselves. Their brains are so dysfunctional at the moment because they're being thrown into such chaos that they don't... <sighs> I'm sorry, man, I get a little wound up over it. You know, I... And people don't understand. A lot of people don't understand. And unfortunately, those people are doctors. Um, you know... We... When people kill themselves, when suicide happens, whether it's opiate withdrawal, whether it's benzodiazepine withdrawal, or whether you're just a full-blown addict who can't look for help because you're scared because of some stupid stigma, or you think you're not worth it, or you've been using so long that your brain's been rewired to think you're a piece of shit and you're not worth the, the phone call. You know, these people who kill themselves, it's not that... David Foster Wallace had a very, very poignant quote. And I'll butcher it, but that's because I'm not David Foster Wallace. He says people who kill themselves or I'm sorry, people who jump from burning buildings. It's not that they're afraid of falling. It's that they're so terrified of the flames behind them that falling to their death seems like a viable option. He also said a second thing in a commencement speech which is hand in hand he said when people kill themselves they tend to shoot themselves in the head because they shoot the great master they shoot what's what's been controlling them and that's what happens is these people who are on psychiatric medicine for no other reason than a doctor who they trusted in a time of need put them on and It's sad, man. I, I, I'm sorry to deviate from your original question. I don't know what it actually was, but (laughs) it's tough, man. When, when you see this and you know, you work with people who suffer, you know, on, on you're in the, you're in the, you're in the room, you're in the groups, you see, you know, every day when you see the same things, it's pisses me off. It helps me because I'm able to tell these people, Hey, listen, don't take this the wrong way, but you're not special. This is all very normal. This is all very normal. I can at least give it a name for you. You know, I can tell you yet you're experiencing most likely experiencing what you're experiencing because of the medication. And that's a hard wall to break through with people unless they're actually experiencing themselves.
0: And let's be honest. I know for me more often than not in the past when I was not feeling stable, my diet was terrible and so with that when i eat comfort foods my mood is different The my ability to get triggered is through the roof and i have an easy time getting frustrated with god knows what you know and i remember you know when i was maybe 20 years ago in, actually a little more at this point, um, in uh, the rooms of Narcotics Anonymous. All right. And, you know, you'd hear, oh, if it rained, I would have to use. If it didn't <laughs> rain, I would have to use. <laughs> you know, didn't um, matter what would happen, I would case find it. if it's gonna
1: excuse. rain, I gotta use. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, obviously when somebody is in this realm through the window, so to speak, of, you know, on the other, st- When somebody is fully addicted to something and it's because somebody gave this to you to help you, you know, a doctor, so to speak, and I'm not villainizing all doctors, of course. I was with a doctor yesterday that told me, hey, you might need to take some B12, and she was right. You yeah. know, luckily for me, I had a doctor that was thinking of n- nutritional deficiencies first. And not, you know, some pharmaceuticals or some surgery. And while those were discussed, they were not the protocol. And so I'm super grateful for that. And uh, not everybody is privy to that kind of care. In fact, we're here talking today because many aren't. And many of us, I've been... You know, put on medication when I was younger for ADD and Ritalin for me, it didn't make me feel all speedy. It made me feel super still. And at the same time, I had these, you know, these kinds of ticks and and things that I would experience that made me feel crazy and that I couldn't really control. And, you know, I know friends of mine that have been fully addicted, you know, to Xanax or Clonopin, which is even worse. And, um... I know that, you know, and, and of course there's a slew of other drugs. Let's not forget about sets or Oxycontins or all these other things. And oh, forget it, man. You know. It. And, of course, from there, when you realize it's too expensive and something else works, you go to heroin. You, you know? go to the boy. You or go cop boy on the street. If you're using, uh, you know, amphetamines for getting racy, then eventually you're going to go to cocaine or obviously, you know, down the road, if, depending on where you are in the country, meth you know yeah. and you know a lot of people who i help in through guerrilla healer come to me saying hey i have epilepsy or i have you know whatever d- ailment and you know this is what i started with and now i have a long list of things and here's the long list of pharmaceuticals that i'm on as well And it started with one, and it worked its way through all the different side effects of me having to take things for that and for that and then for this and for that. And now I'm on, you know, a whole medicine cabinet worth of things that I feel nuts. And, you know, I mean, there's some medications that will make you go blind, you know.
1: (laughs) Well, those, those commercials, they always get you, you know, side effects include in rare cases, death, blindness, whatever, call your doctor immediately, which is always funny. Call your doctor immediately, which is bullshit because if it's after any kind of, any kind of time, or if it's serious, you're going to the ER. <laughs> and what you talk about here, I made some notes that you went down. Yeah. First off diet. absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I'm up visiting my sister right now, and last night, I'm not going to lie to you. I found that, you know, there was some there was some Fruit Loops in the house because I got a young kid and kids coming around, and whatnot. And I sat down, and ate Fruit Loops, and this morning, I contemplated suicide for probably about 30 good seconds before I got up and started moving and getting water and I still feel sluggish and that's the thing, that's another addiction that's sugar, that's, that's like you said, comfort food, Yeah, that's that's no different than, you know, people say hey, fat ass, quit eating, blah 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 no bro, it's a chemical hook it's just like anything else you know, and like you said these you find yourself in a narcotics anonymous room and you're talking to people that just are looking for a reason and they don't know why. And unfortunately in these NA rooms now, what you're finding are these people who are being spit out of detox on antidepressants and benzos or gabapentin or some other bullshit. And what happens, just like you said, there's poly drugging. You start with one pill for anxiety. Well, it's not working. Well, why don't we add an additional thing as, you know, as a, you know, a little side cart there to help pick up the slack where this thing isn't working. Plus let's up the dosage. Well, okay, now this is kind of working, but I haven't shit in a week. Okay, that's cool, so why don't you take this to help with your bowel movements? Okay, so now you're on three medicines. Okay, well, I've been taking these meds so long as I just destroyed my thyroid, or at least my thyroid is is testing weird, Not you know, whatever. Okay, well, let's give you radioactive iodine treatments, you know, Wipe out your thyroid so we can control it with Synthroid or whatever else we need. So now you get not only are you on, you know, four medications, they've taken one of your vital organs out. So thanks for that. Pretty good looking on that. So not only do you have that, and this is what happened with me and a lot of people, you know, I don't, I came on your show because I appreciate what you do. You're a really good guy. I have had no problems with you. Personally, professionally, whatever. I keep to myself, man. You, a lot of these people, I, God bless them for coming out with their stories, but I'm scared to death. You know, a, 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 a doctor blinks and decides to cut you off a of med, you're done. Someone else picks you, you know, here's this, you might be having a trouble. You're, you know, you're fired. Your insurance is cut off. You can't see your kid anymore. Don't hang out with me. I've lost, I've lost 40 years worth of friendship. Because, you know, good people I thought were my people disappeared on me because they, they couldn't grasp this or they didn't want to they didn't want to identify what they were going through. And what happened to me is these antidepressants and benzodiazepines have they have a little trick. They have a little uh, they pull your card on some people and they, and they make you think, you know what? I could go to the top of that building and probably scale down and make it to at least three floors and climb in the window. I could go maybe put this paycheck on one hand at blackjack. You know, I could, I could drive home drunk. I could take a tab. I could do a line of blow. I could snort an oxy, you know, whatever it is. Not only does it lower your inhibitions and just numb your just prefrontal cortex and your decision making your filter they also have they they stop working so benzodiazepine tolerance sends you into a rage i've seen people and you probably can can think back to a few times where you may have seen this somebody out partying who throws a couple you know a couple pills couple xanax down their throat has a drink or two and is fighting the whole block yeah You know, and that's just not a drunk, because you got to understand, which I came to learn is alcohol, you can't quit either because you seize out if you're, if you're heavy enough, if you're, if you're, if you're soaked in enough alcohol and that's because they affect the same receptors, the GABA receptors. So when you, you know, I was never a big drinker, but there came to a point where I was like, You know, to hell with it. I might as well drink 18 beers. So it's the same thing. Like, people who take a benzodiazepine, they're like, I felt drunk. Well, because you were, bro. Your receptors, the same receptors were tickled. The same way, you know, when you take an opiate, you know, those... receptors are tickled and the more you use these the receptors become downgraded down regulated mm. because what happens is you have all these receptors and like you said in your gut you know diet that's why diet affects us so much you know you have these receptors in your body in your gut in your brain and all over so and they do their job if they're you know if everything's good and you're blessed to be a, a functioning human you know, you feel sad sometimes, so you're, you know, you get a shot of uh, a serotonin, dopamine, whatever your body needs to produce. You know, you're in a fight or flight uh, syndrome, or uh, you, know, you, you get a cortisol spike, because it goes back to the our, it's in our DNA. You know, back when we were just living in caves, you know, some sort of animal shouts, shouts out around the corner and you hear it's at your, at your doorstep, so to speak, or, or your cave entrance. You know, you need that spike of cortisol to pick up your spear and get busy. Or you're dead like, you know, the bones you you buried last week. So all these things are happening naturally. Now, a doctor says, or you happen to go down the road of abusing a medication, you start to use a medication for a long term, and your medication comes up and it says, yo, what's up? Nice to meet the receptors, but we're here now. You guys can, you know... Just go take it easy. Go take a tech, a tech 10, you know, relax. We're going to, we're going to function here. But sooner or later they stop functioning. Your body adapts and it's just like, this isn't working. And not only they stop functioning, they tend to do the complete opposite. So people are taking antidepressants. They're depressed as, as all get out. And most of them are going back to their doctors and saying, okay, I'm not only depressed, but we've already upped the dose. So he'll switch, and you know, this is the third one I've tried, so now here comes the antipsychotic. And that's what we we were previously talking about how people get poly-drugged. And when tolerance kicks in, all your receptors are done, they're on break. And if you and even if you don't stop the medicine, you can still happen, but if you if you stop, and especially abruptly, anyone who's uh, you know, more people are around to talk about cold turkeying, you know, opiates than benzos. Because most, a lot of them die, you know, not everyone, but, you know, and especially the ones with cold turkey benzos have a long, you know, most of them have a long recovery process because everything's just so burnt out. And now, just like we've talked about that, that catch, that dragnet that goes behind, not only do they have the withdrawals, symptoms, and problems from coming off abruptly, they also have now had seizures. So now they have to deal with the lightning storm that's happened in their brains. Yeah. It never ends, man. It's, it's, a, it's a very, very tricky trap. You know, it's, it's very slick. You, one minute, you're fine, and the next minute, you're in the world of shit. But the thing is, is, even when you were fine, you were in a world of shit anyways. You just didn't know it yet. The medicine hadn't stopped yet, or you hadn't tried to stop. You didn't know how deep you were.
0: You know, that is the thing that a lot of people who are not, you know, paying attention to this epidemic— is the fact that you go through all these pharmaceuticals for different reasons, and then all of a sudden you end up with, you know, epilepsy. And, you know, seizure drugs are no joke either. They calm the body to the point where stress can happen without triggering a seizure, and that means that it kind of turns you into a zombie. And, you know, obviously there's different levels of that in different people if somebody needs more medicine than others and of course there's different kinds of medication but certain medications can make people feel nuts um, as well as just completely out of it and you know, like I said there are some seizure medications that are commonly used that can make you go blind and so there are children who are blind, there are adults who are blind or partially blind or going blind because of taking these kinds of dangerous medications when I know that cannabis has the ability to potentially help people who are suffering from seizures and, of course, withdrawals from from uh, various pharmaceuticals to the point where, you know, you can take THC oil, you know, and literally help the withdrawal so much where you're not suffering. And you can take CBD oil to the point where you can find some functionability again, you know, if you're not still on some drugs that are interacting with your uh, cytochrome P450 enzyme that, you know, the CBD will raise the level of the drug you're on in your blood. And so that could be dangerous. So you have to really taper responsibly in that regard with CBD, though, you know, Definitely THC oil, you know, FICO or what people are calling Rick Simpson oil or Gorilla Healer oil, this, this kind of uh, cannabis oil has the ability to, and it could be made from just any old regular cannabis, and, you know, that kind of medicine uh, can help with. A multitude of things and somebody can even learn how to make that at 7easysteps.org, the number 7easysteps.org. There's a video where I'm showing people how to make cannabis oil in 7 easy steps and anybody can check that out or share it and uh, it's pretty basic. You don't even need a rice cooker. You can just use a simple double boil and help yourself or, or consider helping somebody else. And have you, Charles, have you used any cannabis oils, to help your symptoms, or predominantly smoking.
1: Well, the the problem. See, I'm in Florida. I'm in the basement state, so availability is an issue. Um, I've been able to try uh, some homemade FICO products from a different, uh, one or two different people across the states, and. They helped, absolutely they help. And I have actually tried various CBD oils locally, but they didn't do anything. I've had a few different experiences with full-spectrum oils or quote-unquote oils. Again, it's just the availability. People who can't get access to this medicine, so they have to produce... Secondhand products. See, with your with your Gorilla Healer stuff, that was the first time in a long time that because I'm a fan of the entourage effect. Like I need, I don't you know for whatever reasons it works for me. It's what works for me. I need you know THC with you know a heavy CBD sidekick. So I would smoke and then dose with gorilla healer CBD the the liquid under the tongue the sublingual and it was a great balance because like I said down in Florida you can't get and even in some of these um, dispensaries you don't I you know you can't really trust just like anyone any any flooded market or saturated market someone's going to be out to try to get you. So down here, you just, you take what you get. Even, I mean, it's legal now down here, but it's still, we'd have to jump through hoops. And now the flower they're giving is only 10%. And it's, you know, I don't trust anything in Florida. I mean, even the oranges are tainted nowadays. It's un, it's unfortunate. But to answer your question, I have, through the grace of others, such as yourself and a few other people who I've reached out to in the past, I've been able to try, you know, oils. Um. Two different types of FICO: one sublingual, one you know the rice-sized grains that was kind of like a thicker paste. And sure, yeah, absolutely, they work. I mean, there's no, there's no question. It's just how well they work for for each person. Now, of course, I gotta, I gotta backtrack and say it's not for everyone. It's not. And if you haven't had experience with it, you know, if you're not comfortable being under, you know, ha- under the influence of a drug, you know, or having your mind calmed or altered, so to speak, If you have to get used to it. Some people pick it right up. Some people go in, but you know, it's all how you think about it. Some people go in very anxious and that's what you get out of it. Some people go in very anxious and it turns them right into, you know, a calm person. So it's, there's so many different, you know, just like everything in life, it's it's not black and white, it's gray.
0: I agree. In terms of people jumping into using cannabis, some of us may experience from the beginning what would be known as the right dose. And some of us would take too much and scare ourselves away from something that may help us because we didn't, I I guess, you know, I could say responsibly use it. We might not have known how. You know, I thought maybe taking a rice-sized grain would be what I needed to do, but that made me feel like the world was ending. And so, you know, I've, I've heard that story. And so, you know, everybody has a different tolerance. And it is important to, if you don't have, you know, experience or firsthand guidance, to start tiny. You know, the tiniest, tiniest, tiniest speck. And if it doesn't do anything, great. You know, at least you didn't take too much because it's easier to go take more than it is to go backwards. And so, you know, and of course, waiting in between doses, an adequate amount of time could be a half hour to an hour. And it could be longer than that. You know, it could be, hey, this is what I tried today. I'm going to try this tomorrow. And it depends what we're dealing with. You know, if somebody if I had cancer, I would be addressing that differently than if I had arthritis. You know, or if I had a, a, a gut issue or a GI issue or, you know, um, it, it just depends. And, of course, you know, if somebody's not used to communing with cannabis at all, then I would likely start with something that's a little higher in CBD. And that, of course, depends on whether or not we're on certain medications that interact with our P450 enzyme. And in that case, I would start even a little more sensitive. Otherwise, I would just start. You know, and I think some people are afraid to take too much, and especially with CBD, I think that most people aren't even taking enough. And most CBD oils on the market are from a CO2 extraction, which damages the terpenes, so you don't even get the full entourage effect, which is why I think, you know, for what I've focused on, Gorilla Healer oil is so effective because our process doesn 't damage the terpenes and it retains these cannabinoids and terpenes that work synergistically to act fast and to you know to do what they 're supposed to do and so I think that how we deliver what is naturally occurring is also important just as important as the starting material that we 're working with because obviously, if we made cannabis oil with Mexican brickweed, you know could that help somebody in a serious situation I would think Absolutely. Now, if somebody grew, you know, corn that was full of Roundup and you were hungry and you needed food, would it sustain you at the moment? Sure. But down the road, would you get sick from that or, you know, would your body suffer from these poisons? I can't imagine it won't because that's what they're designed to do. They're made from, you know, uh, chemical warfare companies that made the atomic bomb. They know what they're doing. They know how to get bugs to stop eating it. And, you know, that's a life. If, you know, obviously everything is in different levels. What we're talking about how there's fluoride in the water, well they're also using fluoride in your dentist. So obviously it all has to do with different levels. You know, you can have a a spoonful of salt might uh, make you really sick, but you need a little bit of it. So everything in different levels, right? And so not everybody has an endocannabinoid deficiency. Not everybody is going to need to supplement with cannabinoids. They might have endogenous cannabinoids that are you know, the body is making it in a good way And they they, don't need it And that's okay You know, that's normal And then there's those of us like me Who has an endocannabinoid deficiency I don't need these other pharmaceuticals That I've, you know, come across I feel complete when I take cannabis in the right way As, re- as well as when I'm eating the right kinds of foods And if I don't, well then I get a B12 deficiency Like this doctor identified And I literally get nerve issues And I start yep. getting a multitude of things If we have a vitamin D deficiency You can become depressed you know, and so there's there's so many things that come along with of course, being on pharmaceuticals that then there you might start developing other nutritional deficiencies because you're not taking care of yourself, and then what happens with that? Well, then it's a compounded issues of you know this and that and this and that, and then you know we may not need a multitude of medications to address these things. We may need sun between 11 and 2. We may need, you know, uh, the right kinds of foods and the right kinds of water and enough water and enough, you know, breathing the right way and just certain considerations that could literally help us transition through stressful times without having to fall back on a crutch.
1: The problem with that is, unfortunately, we've... uh... I have a analogy that I use, and I'll, I'll, I'll try to clean it. I'll, I'll make it a little bit more uh, polite for your podcast. In an on-demand generation where you can get Amazon to drone you an apple if you need to eat it, people are not only expecting or want, are wanting, looking for an on-demand quick answer. They're expecting it. So you, it's, it comes full circle as in everything. It's not just one thing. Like you said, it's not just smoking a joint and it's just like hey my cancer's gone and i can kick benzos no man you got to change a bunch of different things but these you know people don't want to change a bunch of different things they don't want to believe it's oh my diet and exercise and this no i gotta something has to it has to be one thing. It has to be a pill. They have to diagnose me. I'm, I'm one thing or the other. No, it's not just one thing. It's not black or white. It's a bunch of different colors all up and down. And if they won't give it to us, they won't let us buy it, and they won't let us grow it, what are you hiding? What's the problem here? I can grow tomatoes. Why? You know, well, maybe in some places you can't, I'm sure. I don't know where, but I'm possible I'm not a betting man, but I put a sawbuck down there somewhere in the world. You <laughs> legally can't grow tomatoes.
0: Don't you dare!
1: Yeah, to come down with them boys and just hop out for every single tomato we find.
0: Wait a minute, you're but, making ketchup?
1: Uh-uh. Yeah, no, that was, yeah, exactly. You the better hein keep it in tomato form. In <laughs> yep, that's exactly it. So that's they won't give it. They won't. It's the, it's the same bullshit story. The, the war on drugs then, you know, is bullshit. And if you don't agree with that, then explain to me why prohibition failed. I mean, take a look around. And you know what? We're talking about addiction and dependency. I got to bring up Johan Hari, who says the opposite of addiction is not sobriety, it's connection. And that's a huge thing. People are lost. People take meds because they're hurting or they think they need something. They call it pain medicine because it... You have some sort of pain, whether that's a broken bone or a broken self image, you self medicate or you go to a doctor and, you know, you get something because you say, I don't feel well. And like, like what happened to me or so many other people, no one's going to talk to you and find out why you don't feel well, because that's not in their wheelhouse of how they're going to make their money back and time manage the other 72 patients they have in their already overbooked office. Because they have student loans, they have malpractice insurance to pay for, and they have a big house somewhere that, you know. And that, again, that's just some doctor, too many doctors. That's too many doctors. Okay, I didn't become a doctor. You know why? Because I know I didn't have it in me. This is me being a doctor, running, running the support group. Having the, the whatever to say, screw it, I'm going to go on and talk to somebody on a podcast so maybe one person can hear me babbling in the middle of my my psychosis and my troubled times and feel that, okay, I'm going to be all right or, or this makes sense. Because you can't find too many places that are going to understand what's going on with all these things. And it, the ones that do... Some of them won't touch you. They don't want anything to do with it because they don't know. And then even worse still, people will see that and be like, oh, there's a mark. I'm going to sell them $500 worth of essential oils, $200 worth of uh, bathtub cannabis oil I just made, and uh, I'm also going to sell them uh, – a copy of my uh, 1992 personal journal of poetry and disguised as, you know, a self-help book. They're going to take that person's money who's desperate and scared and lonely and confused and broken, and they're going to run. And that person's going to be hurt again and it's going to recycle over and over again, and that's it. That's why the opposite of addiction is not sobriety. It's not about getting clean. It's about connecting with people. Someone's missing something, whether it's, uh, you know... A hug or, uh, you know, whatever it is. Someone is – there's a disconnect somewhere and every single person who finds themselves putting a needle in their arm or something up their nose or down their throat or sitting in front of a giant thing of cake and then throwing it up or gambling away, you know, some inheritance or some savings. There's, a, there's something missing because every single one of those people are going out and trying to tickle a receptor or – or fill a hole somewhere in their spirit or their body or whatever it is. People need to be respected as human beings and say, this person is a person and I have to give a little leeway this person might be going through something else. This person didn't just wake up and say, I'm going to go slit the world's throat. Maybe they did, but still they went to bed with a precursor to that. So I owe it to myself after everything i've gone through so far i got 40 years of life next week god job bless you know ups and downs ins and out my heart still beats i have a tattoo of two fingerprints on my left wrist where my pulse is i got it when i was like 23 years old ridiculed by my uncles laughed at looks like a patch of hair don't give a fuck what it looks like it means to me that i can wake up in the morning and if i put my fingers there and feel a pulse i got a chance So these people have a chance, too. I just have to be able, for me and this group and the people I meet in life, as we talked before we started the podcast, I have to give a wide berth to people. Now, some people just want to see the world burn, as the quote goes. And those people, you have to, you know, I do my best to let them burn as much as they can. But as soon as they start burning others, that's it. I have one or two basic rules. No re- no hate, only help. No religious bullshit although all religions are welcome. No question goes unanswered. I want to kick back real quick before I forget. You mentioned you know the CBD the, the specific dialing into what someone needs for a dose. We have what I coined THC warriors that come through the group sometimes where it's just like Someone's sitting there, you know, talking about how they have internal tremors and they can't stop pacing and, you know, they're sweating and they have high, you know, high frequency tinnitus and, you know, all all that. And someone will just come in and smoke a joint. And that's, you know, I get it. You know, I believe me, I get it. You're a person who's probably going through something, too. But sure, THC is important. And it's a vital, vital role. But... You know, these guys have come in and it's just like, if it don't have THC, it ain't worth it. I, I, I can't help you. You're not, you're, you're not going to fit in, in this group. You can't push that. You can't, ju- I mean, if it's, if it's the truth and you've, that's why, that's why I allow you in my group to speak and a few other people, because I know you've proven to me, you've proven your metal. You know, I know I've, I've, I've had your product, your product. And yes, the turpin turps are delicious absolutely delicious and that's a huge part of it because people who don't know you know what how many chirps are there total seven eleven something like that
0: you mean present in cannabis
1: yeah like fla- flavor wise like did you
0: get there's a long list
1: long list okay so but each one of them is has a different effect on people correct
0: that is what is being found out yeah absolutely okay
1: so that's a big part of it like you said you get medicine that's missing that flavor or that you know that that element and it's 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 short-handing people
0: yeah a lemon so. that no longer has limonene is not going to taste or smell like a lemon anymore and <laughs> it's not going to have the same power plain and simple you know yep. beta-caryophyllene is a terpene that's shared in black pepper as well as oregano, as well as cannabis. It's very spicy, and it has wonderful reasons to look it up. You know, there's there's uh, pinene. Research suggests stimulates memory. That's present in cannabis, as well as, of course, pine trees. And there's, there's so many different... Linanol is uh, in lavender as well, and super calming, and that's in cannabis as well. There's so many different... Myrcene, you know, that's in, uh, I believe, mangoes and... Um, you know, mm-hmm. cannabis and uh, <laughs> supercar. Uh, yeah. it's an Indica, black, black it,
1: pepper is known to stop anxiety attacks. So there you go. There's the there's the there's the link.
0: Especially the if diagram. you have if you take too much THC, black yeah. pepper or beta can help stop the anxiety attack. It's it's fascinating and definitely. So one
1: would believe that if you had not a full blown anxiety attack yet, but some overlying general anxiety disorder, if you had that specific terpene. That was also found in black pepper that it may help reduce your anxiety
0: mm, correct so, so there, there you go we i mean eat eat that's that's help it. And because feel.
1: of the stigma we can't and we are and I, I i it's taking me some time and that's this is where i need to be humble take a step back and say no change your change your words like a big boy charles don't say can't we haven't yet been able to educate as many people on what exactly is going on with this plant because you're shut down on at every single turn or you're looked at as someone else who's just substituting one drug for another or you come into even worse you're 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 screwing with somebody's money if you're if uh, if you're out there screwing with someone's money or taking you can say i can get your patient better just off one or two things here maybe than the 12 things you're on then they're going to draw their swords and they're going to cut the snake off at the head so to speak unfortunately
0: you know I I, I toyed with not calling the show Farms Not Farms because I don't want to create enemies with speech though at the same time you know while of course I don't want to do that and I don't even think that the term Farms Not Farms has to do that I think that we just focus on safe access to information about natural methods and that's all and i you know i just got over being sick i still have a little bit of uh of of issues and i had to take decongestion you know so i'm not against pharmaceuticals i'm not a hypocrite either i just know that as an individual have the desire to go a certain way about helping myself that i Am well served with the right to do so Just the same as you are And I, who am I to tell you what to do for yourself Or what you can't do for yourself In the privacy of, of your own home Or wherever you choose to do it If you're not, you know, harming someone else
1: Yeah, and I, I, let me just punch in right there and, and you can put it where you need to I agree with you A thousand percent I'm not an anti-doctor I'm, I'm scorned As are a lot of people I'm not anti-MD. I know that without a lot of a lot of medications, we'd have problems. And there are people out there who legitimately need these medicines, but not not at these doses for the people who don't. Not at any dose. Like I understand if you suffer a horrific accident. Now, granted there are tremendous tests and results being done with anything from Ketamine therapy, to pure MDMA therapy, to guided, you know, uh, psilocybin or DMT, as we spoke, ayahuasca, all these things under the right supervision, or if you're comfortable with them, like, I'll shoot you straight, because that's who, that's, that's who I have to be, and that's who I am in my group, and that's who I am in real life. I can tell you firsthand that the DMT trips I've had have 100,000 million whatever percent taken away and washed me clean of anxiety. Wash me clean. Now granted, I knew what I was doing. I knew how to let go and just let it happen. It didn't last forever. Just like anything else. The trip didn't last forever. The the effects didn't last forever, but they happened. And they 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 showed me that everything I feel and everything I think is not exactly maybe what it is. And that helps you disconnect from you know what maybe you're holding on to as sacred. And all these different types of therapies are happening. So I'm not anti doctors. I'm anti-doctors who don't give a shit. Who violate the first rule. Do do no harm. Do no harm. I I I teach my nephew that. He's not a doctor. He's a human being growing up. I don't want to be an asshole. Do no harm. What's so wrong about that? How it's like how big does your fucking yacht gotta be, man? How do you sleep? How many threads of Egyptian, you know, cotton do you have sewn into your asshole that you got to sleep knowing that thousands of people knowing, or at least not being able to step back and say, you know what? I need some continuing education on, I didn't learn it all in 1962 with John Topkins. There's some new shit on the block. I'm humble enough to learn. No, they write the scripts, they push you out, whatever. Those are the doctors that piss me off. And they don't have to be doctors. They can be lawyers, they can be physical therapists, they can be CBD advocates, they can be anyone. If you're not in it to help or at least not cause any collateral harm or ex- extra shit for people, then what are you in it for? And why, why do I have to tolerate it just because you have a certain string of letters after your name it's, it's just it, it breaks my heart man and i it's like when you finally tap into the fact that it's such a vastly spread wide net that's over anyone black white red yellow you know opaque whatever you are any faith it can get you it can get you on any ends. it can get you because you just happen to take a You just happen to not break off of partying with the boys or the girls, and you just took it too far and it developed into a personality or something you needed or something that the doctor started you on and you just took normally. For this, for what we're talking about here, it can happen to anyone. And if you want to see it, you go to any of the groups, you come to my group, there's people from all over. We have one of the top numbers for members. And we started like two years ago, three years ago. And that's not me flexing. That's me just saying, hey, take a look, people. Go to BenzoBuddies.org. It's like 70,000 people on there now. I'm on Facebook with a nickel, 5,000, you know, that's 5,000. I don't even have that many friends on Facebook. I don't even know that many people in real life. 5,000 people, that's, that's insane for, not, for just being a, a referred group. On Facebook, I don't even think you can search for it anymore. You know, I think Facebook took that out. There shouldn't be this many people. You know, there's there's enough shit out there going on. There's cancer. There's. I'm ashamed I fell into it. But, uh, I mean, you know, and you can feel it, and you see it, and you know me well enough by now to have read the posts and my comments to the posts and the people acting up. I can start very calm and I have, I'm very excitable, especially where I am currently in my medical, uh, or my pharmaceutical papers and whatnot, I'm very excitable, but I still manage to run the group because other people need it and it helps me as well, but I can start out and I can be calm like this, but as soon as I start thinking and remembering and calling the, remembering the post and the people who don't post anymore, the people who are dead and you know whether they did it themselves or it just happened to them as a result i get fired up man and i'm just not the guy who's gonna hold back that's why you know when but people didn't want to hear my shit. that's why i left and started my own and i said you know if i get 10 people in here that's 10 more people i can talk to but now there's thousands there's thousands man and it's it, like i said before i'm i'm very honored to be able to call these people my people and you've seen me these are my people like these i care about every single i don't know everybody i can't possibly know anyone i'm still trying to figure out and remember most of the shit i do but if you if you pop up on my page my page i say because you know our page our group and you say hi or i'm having a hard time if i can't talk to you i'm throwing you a heart i'm throwing you you know because it's facebook let's just call it out there blazing benzos and Facebooks. you know i give hearts to everyone because that little heart from the admin of a page i can remember when that was like holy shit, the guy who runs this actually cares enough about my post i can i remember feeling that and if all if i can do if i can address that and make that person feel better for five minutes, five seconds, till the next person comes in. And these people are amazing. Amazing, the people. I like. Sometimes I don't even say a word. I just let the group handle it. And this group polices itself, and that's why it does so well, and that's why we have so little problems. We have to remove so little members. These people rally around each other because they know they need it. Sometimes I don't say shit, but thank you.
0: You definitely... Rarely tell people what to do. You know, you're not you're not there to be a doctor. You said you know this is your way of being a doctor, but I think that that you just means your way of helping people. Because I yeah. don't I don't see you doctoring people. I don't see you trying to tell your uh, you know self righteous script. I see you just being a supporter. I see you just being uh, a member yourself as well as you know a friend and and uh, a guide in terms of you know responsibility in certain ways and so I respect that and uh, you know it's definitely not easy I also run a group with thousands of people in it and you know it it is what it is in terms of you know the group makes it what it is and certain groups are there for certain reasons and I'm only ever here to help you know if I could answer somebody's question if I have the ability to I'm going to if not and I know somebody that could I'm you know I'll, I'll refer or tag somebody or you know otherwise i You know, just the same, I'll throw somebody uh, some love and and support if I can. Uh, You know, obviously, gratitude to you for doing your part. You know, while you were talking earlier, I'm thinking, you know, what can we do to continue this mission of helping people feel not alone and find options to apply, you know, to experience a new now and realize our ability to focus on joys in life now you not have to put anything between us and the now be like i'm waiting for this to happen i'm waiting for that to happen and waste so much time which is all we have so much time and this body which is all we have and you know for for something that we're putting in the middle of us and our happiness and and you know now is all we know in fact we're only going to know now once And it's now gone. And I know now, now. And, you know, we could obviously make ourselves crazy going through that. But, you know, it's really in reality just to say to live it up to the fullest now. And that doesn't mean taking the biggest line or smoking the biggest joint. You know, it means experiencing a quality of life where we care. And for so long, I, I, you know, I didn't care because I wasn't feeling the love. And, you know... I can relate to, you know, people's stories of communing with something like DMT and feeling the love that you've always known existed and all of a sudden walking around with more spirit and people even seeing it, you know? And so, you know, whatever somebody needs to do, I know people that haven't ever communed with DMT and walk around with a glow, and they have never taken psychedelics, you know? And I'm lucky enough to have a partner who's like that. And, you know, I think that it's it's incredible. Not everybody is the same way. And so, therefore, we need individual care. And, you know, we're all well-served with that. We're all well-served with love. And love comes in different forms, but it's always loving, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And And uh, not everybody is taught what real love is. Some of us are taught... You know different ways and so therefore we're looking to self-medicate or numb or not feel what our reality is like and so you know that is also us putting something between us and the now because ultimately as an adult or as a human being we have the ability to choose our reality which is why we've been able to choose such a glum reality of self-medicating there's also the ability to choose a reality where we're healthy and it all exists whenever we want it you know
1: You say, what can we do? And it's just like, you can do two things, man. In my mind, what helped me is you can believe the cliches. As a kid growing up, you know, you're influenced by, I was influenced by everything. You know, be a tough guy, be whatever, you know, I'm Irish Italian, so I come from a very, you know, family oriented, you know, family. But you also, I grew up thinking it was cool not to care. Even though deep in my, when, when everything was, the doors were shut and I was at home, I'd still make my eight-year-old grandmother, blind grandmother, blind since birth, came over on the boat blind in 1918. They fed her sips of wine to help with the vertigo, raised eight kids, who knows how many grandkids, blind the whole time. That's a problem, I could put that aside and say, Nana, Here's your here's your toast. Here's your here's your here's your sandwich. Here's whatever you you know, here's your biscuit. here's whatever, here's your, whatever. I'm gonna turn the TV on, you can watch Jeopardy. Love you give me a, you, you gotta give me a second.
0: Love is being of service, love is being in gratitude and love is is expressing our endearment, our, our care for another through yeah. our care for ourselves, because you know we do care about ourselves and we do love love and so that's where for me sharing love comes from i know that if i'm not feeling the love and there's no love and i want there to be love and i give love well then there's love
1: curse the dark or light a candle brother hey you know you know curse the dark or light a candle and drop your guard people it's all right. You can't keep your guard up. The more you keep your guard up, the more you keep other people away. And the only thing that's going to help people are other people. That's it. Drop your guard and open your heart. Believe the cliches, man. They, they're cliches because they've st- stood the test of time. Do on to others. You don't got to be a, cr- a Christian or a Catholic or Jew or any sort of religion to know that. You know, it just comes down to one thing, be a human being and not a dysfunctional human being. Don't look for a way out and be like, oh, this is a human being. Human beings kill people all the time. Don't give me that shit, man. Don't try to find a reason to justify being a dickhead. There's too many people who do that by default anyways. And that's what I bring to my group. Don't be a dickhead to other people. If you're upset, I understand. If you're hurting, I understand. If I can help you, I will. If I can like you said, if I can point you in the direction of someone to help you, I will. But you gotta put down your guard. You gotta tie off your dog. Stop trying to fight everything out. And even if it hurts, let something in. Let something in and move let let it move around the furniture in your house that you've constructed. But all it takes is a second, man. It just takes one second. And the same goes for the other way around. It just takes a second for you to care for someone to possibly save a life and as my voice cracks as i say that it's the most powerful thing there is if it doesn't work what you lose bro what you lose oh you failed at being a good person impossible you tried you threw it out there they say there's no participation awards Fuck you you try to be a good person I'll sign your certificate twice. And that's it for me, man. That's all I know right now. And that's all I can hold on to because it helps me.
0: You know what I look forward to? What's that, man? I look forward to a time where we relate with each other in ways where it's truly authentic and, you know, supportive and... I I look forward obviously this time is now I look forward to this being spread throughout you know just rippling so that as we continue to help each other you know we continue to be the change we continue to inspire through our actions and how we incorporate these lessons in our nows and I look and and I just I enjoy I it really, when I take a moment to consider that that's what's happening, it's it's truly a blessing because that's why we're on the phone here together now. That's why we're on the show now. And, yeah. you know, that's why we know each other. And, you know, I was introduced to your group by somebody who said, hey, man, I see all these people, you know, lost. And I truly think you can help them. Would you mind, you know, joining and uh, I think that, you know, I think that, you know, you can just contribute. And so, you know, it really just takes, somebody asked me once, hey, how do how do we get Gorilla Healer in our state? How do I do that, you know? And this was years ago, when literally all I was doing was just giving out oil to people who needed it and, you know, not accepting a penny ever. And people, uh, and I said, you know, and, and I thought that they thought I was being short with them when I answered but really I was just being real I said you know all it takes is for you to care you know <laughs> for somebody to literally help somebody else in a time of need is a guerrilla healer and if you can have the ability to give somebody you know a band-aid or you know medicine you know you stepped up and I, who, I don't know what situation you're going to deal with but I also don't know what situation is going to come to me and more often than not it's something that you know, is what no one else was able to help with.
1: Somebody said once to me that God is love. And I took that, you know, just took it as kind of like a, again, a cliche or some sort of hippie saying, but I took it just like I take everything else and everyone in life should take everything that's available for them and and conform it to how it works best for them, whether it's coming off of medicine, whether it's a diet, whether it's, you know, how to deal with your significant other, or whether it's NA, you know, whatever it is, take it for yourself. And I took that and I realized, you know what? That's a hundred percent right. God is love, but I needed to define it. So when I took the tray from the hands of the elderly woman coming from the, the kiosk at Chick-fil-A and carried it for her, cause she had one hand on the tray, another on the cane, balancing two ice cream cones or two ice cream sundaes. I didn't do it to take the sundays and run from the lady. I did it because that is God right there. That is God. Before you know and you stop and you see, you know, what you think may be another person helping another person. That is love right there. Someone that is someone who takes the time to to help someone for no reason whatsoever except to help someone that is love that that is god you know in all in all manifestations of a greater being <laughs> it is it, he or she is all powerful Ooh. or all forgiving all loving all things so for someone to do something for another human being just on the fact of help that is that's all powerful and It takes a little bit to grasp that it took me a long time to grasp that a lot because I didn't want to open my head and my heart and put down my bullshit because it takes work because everything takes work, you know, putting down that glass of soda, picking up water takes work, not going out and spending a hundred dollars on dope to put in your arm takes work, being a better person to your significant other and your child and your neighbor takes work. But the more work you put into it, the easier it gets. And like I said, man, when that work that you're doing is for the benefit of another person, it's for the benefit of you as well. And that is God. That is, to me, for me, that is God. And that's where I am comfortable with for, you know, religious or spiritual or whatever practices, giving praise to a God that, when able to, puts their hand on another human being and says, what can I do? And doesn't have their other hand in their pocket. That's it. And it's, it seems so simple. And it's just like you said, if you didn't accept your friend's request to come to our group, then how many people, you know, would have missed out, you know, how many people would have missed out on your help? me, for one of them, you know, this podcast, you know, 10 people could listen and then go tell 50 other people. But whatever the number is, it's worth it. If it's one person, it's worth it. What do we lose? You and I just sat and talked human man to human man about real life. No precursors. You know, you're... uh, uh, you're not sponsored by me i'm not sponsored by you all we have in connection is i mean other than probably some really good taste in hip-hop etc whatever all we have in connection is the fact that we're humans going through life and we recognize that it's better life is better when you help other people unconditionally don't Forget about helping yourself. Like you can't just pour yourself. You can't pour from an empty cup. So you have to always help yourself. What I'm trying to say is helping others helps me. You know, I'm not always out there. I'm not, I'm not always able to help. You're not, no, no one's going to be able to save everyone. But when you can, you know, do it, give it a shot even. Or take a knee and say, you know what, this is above my pay grade, so to speak. And uh, I know someone who's a really good person you can talk to. If you send a message, they'll be able to help you. And they go on from there. And that's not, that's not hypothetical. That's not something I'm looking to implement to see if it works so I can take it back and do another beta version test of it. That's fact. That's practice that I've that you know initiated firsthand. And I've seen a thousand times over, you know, people who have never spoken or seen each other have literally saved one another's lives just by typing two or three words, whether it's a, a one line of inspiration that lets someone cry and understand it's okay and to get through it. And they don't swing themselves from a tree or something, or it's someone who gives tell someone, no, don't go to a detox facility for benzodiazepines. You'll be, most likely dead or worse off in six days you know one one sentence i go like you know in my spare time youtube is amazing you know people are like oh don't get whatever but when you're in this situation's that a lot of people are in. All you have is your you know, iPad and, or your computer or whatever to distract you. A lot of people can't drive during this. A lot of people have a insane agoraphobia. And YouTube has become like the Encyclopedia Britannica for the modern day bullshit. So you have everything on there. You have people trying to sell you uh, you know, ideas and, and five HTP. So you don't have uh, opiate withdrawals and buy my ebook. And then you have people who are actually just going through it, who turn their camera on and say, Hey, what's up guys? This is day four of, uh, you know, a heroin withdrawal. This is day four. It's a boxing withdrawal. This is day seven of, uh, cold turkeying uh, cigarettes. This is whatever, you know, people are able to come out and see now, and tell their stories they can't be silent. i mean they can be struck down or whatever reported but now more than ever there's people telling their own stories and wanting to document this because when you come off these medications whatever they are you're so raw and you're so open music starts to to, to sound better you know even though you don't have an appetite you can taste certain foods you know uh, uh, it's not always like that there's a lot of hell to go through but what I'm saying when the hell wears off and you have these windows of oh this is why I'm doing it this is why I'm doing it and that's where cannabis comes in again man you feel if you're dialed into your dosage you can wake up I am dialed into my dosage I wake up 90% of the mornings feeling like complete shit, right? That's just a fact, whether it's my own dietary mistakes or it's just another day starting off, but I'm able to get up. I'm in tremendous pain in my stomach. Usually it's a lot of GI distress, a lot of mental distress. Right when I wake up, I'm on fire, ready to go. You know, Try to fight it, to go back to sleep, to hide from it, but it's not happening. But I know in my situation, I can get upstairs and if I can make it, or if I can get up and make it downstairs... Whether I walk or roll myself like a slinky downstairs, get into the garage and medicate, light flour, combustion, smoke. And I'm not talking about sitting there and flipping on, you know, boujou uh, bantan and ripping up just a, you know, 2G two, two blunt. One or two pulls off a bowl of quality cannabis. That's it. Microdose. Now, sure, I'll sit down in session just completely... Try to, you know, relax myself when I don't have anything else to do, and go inside my head and relax and and free write or whatever it is to, you know, express and get some of this bullshit off my chest and out of my body. But I know for a fact that that's it's it's that you can do that. You it helps cannabis. It has a direct result for me. You know, if you're dialed in with your dosage, you can turn off you know and it's temporary like, I, like everything is until until you're at a certain level So you know when the practice is over of trying to figure out your dose or trying to figure out your breathing techniques like you said or you know no one ever walked up to a basketball court and 360 dunked but after 2,000 tries probably touched rim you know and that's what you got to try to do, man. Just try to grab the rim, I guess, for lack of a better term.
0: Hey, Charles, <clears throat> w- while we wrap up, I just want to ask you a question. You said that you you wouldn't go to a treatment center to w- withdraw from benzos. What would you do?
1: Uh, I would hit the... Well, here's... I uh, Let me take a second. If you find yourself...
0: No, 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 no. no, no, no. W- what would what, I do? What would you do? Because... Okay, okay, what would I do? I'll just share real quick for anybody who's listening. One of the ways that I make sure that I am always going to be safe when people come to me for help is by only sharing what I can do for myself. Because if I tell you what to do, then I'm literally taking, I'm acting as though I'm giving out a treatment or some sort of, you know recommendation and and then there I'm playing a certain role that I'm not licensed to do. And so though a lot of people come to me for years and so I, it's important that we are safe when we are interacting with people. It's important to consider the bigger picture of what can happen if somebody decides that you harmed them based off what you told them if you you know. And of course, you know, you can always record your conversations um or just make sure that you're always just speaking for yourself. So with that, Charles, hopefully, I, I you still remember what you're going to say.
1: No, absolutely, I understand. You, know, the, the, this disclaimer, for for better term, lack of a better term, I find my okay. Let's say it's five years ago. I know what I know now, and I find myself in the same situation. I'm dose dependent or addicted to benzodiazepines myself i got them from a psychiatrist and as i go back and start to think i keep remembering the snags and and the and the uh the uh you know the trip wires that people can hit because as i say if you go to your doctor and you say i want to come off benzodiazepines a lot of doctors will say okay you're fine just stop and then you're screwed so what i would do i would go back And I would feel out my doctor some way to find out how he feels about coming off of benzodiazepines. If he says anything but a long taper, I wouldn't wouldn't mention it to him again.
0: So first step Charles would do to come off benzos is consult your doctor about a smart way to taper. And if the doctor is resistant, then you wouldn't have that conversation again with the doctor. That specific, the doc- that specific the
1: do- doctor. I'm sorry. Yeah, that specific. Yes, if the doctor is resistant or suggests anything except a long, not long but longer, slower taper. If he if he says we can do this in a month, if he says just stop, if he or she says you can um, stop taking them, but here take gabapentin or neurotin which is another terrible drug. People who have been on it have had a problem. So if any of those things would come up, again, now I would be very cautious because I don't want this doctor just to be, to be like, oh, if you want to come off, we're stopping, we'll just stop. So I would just ask what, if I wanted to one day, what would be the procedure? I don't want to now, but if I wanted to, what okay. would you say? What's step two? So, so if he says no, then I say, okay. You know, if he says anything that, that throws up a red flag, then I say, okay, we'll just continue on as we are then i would either research I, well first i would go to and i'm going to i'm going to give this website out because it's an npo and it's pretty much the strongest thing going out there it's benzoinfo.com www.benzoinfo.com dot dot i would go there that now this and this was just started a few years ago people didn't have this That list, that has a a board of directors, founders, supporters, who are physicians, who are people who have gone through benzodiazepine withdrawal, had benzodiazepine withdrawal syndrome. I would go to that website, and I would look for doctors in my area who are listed as being benzo-either savvy or compatible, meaning that they will work with you on a taper at your... At your rate, at how you feel. I would just research those doctors. That would be step two. Don't contact them. Just know the doctors. Step three would be, when you can find this information on that same website, would it be to familiarse- familiarize yourself with the Ashton Manual. Now it's a lot Say it of people... it again. I'm sorry?
0: Say it again.
1: The Ashton Manual... And it's available for download on that website I just told you. It's available for download in PDF form, and you can download it to your Kindle. This explains to you in a big one full sweep of what benzodiazepines are, and why you're feeling the way you're feeling. Okay. It's basically it's the ins and outs of what's wrong. And um, I I believe she she I don't know if she passed away recently. I know she was very sick, but she's a pioneer in in what people are going through right now her voice is amazing and so you can that's that's available to print out you can take it to your doctor if you need to or whatever but those are the three things I would do once you get those three things under your belt you make the next decision you know a lot it took me a while I I went into the groups I, I you know I wanted to learn as much as I could before I started to come off medications but sometimes you just have to start. You know, there's no there's no quick fix around this. You know, that's why blazing Benzo's exists because people need help. If there was a quick button, they'd be done. I would do those things. I would feel out my doctor to see how he wants to proceed. If it's anything but a slow taper, I would just not talk about it and proceed with the treatment. Then I would go to the website Benzo info.com and I would learn about, you know, what doctors are available in my area because there might not be a doctor available in my, my area and you might have to, or I might have to do what I, I'm doing right now and just taper myself, That's what other thousands of people are doing. They get their medicine, they come home, they taper, they go to the boards for help, they go to the groups for help, they go to people like you and I for help, and they continue on. Um, but if you go, if I know for a fact that if I were to go to a detox right now, they would take this drug out of my system entirely too quickly. And they'd either replace it with another drug that was equally or more bullshit, or they would just send me on my way. Then I would, I would get, I would be out of detox. And within a few hours, I'd be deathly ill. Then I would find myself at the ER and at the ER, I would explain what I've been through and they would most likely pigeonhole me as an addict who just got out of rehab or detox or whatever they want to coin it and now can't find whatever and is having a problem. And that's where the that's the danger in this. Forget about the stigma of being an addict on opioids or, you know, whatever. The danger is you have to be aware of and i need to be aware of continuing on which is why it's so detrimental to me to keep a lower profile is you can't be pulled off this medicine if your doctor disagrees with what you're doing chances are he or she will because he'll be the he or she will be the doctor who put you on this medicine and for you to come in and say well my google results said this they're going to get insulted because there's a lot of pride in this that's why the younger the younger generation of of you know medical professionals are, are coming in with more information so you can't risk being pulled off this medicine abruptly so i know i know of people who have come into the group and stated they've gone to their doctor just to build up a i don't want to say stash but a stash an inventory of medicine so they could taper off at their own pace or until they can find a holistic doctor that will work with them or another doctor that agrees you know they don't want you to be on this medicine so that's basically the pitfalls I would be very cautious of is one no rehab no detox for benzos for benzodiazepines and two uh, you know if I speak or if I approach my doctor and that doctor suggests anything but some sort of at most 10% reduction per month, I would keep it to myself and plan on educating myself and getting some friends online and joining as many groups as I can and asking questions and figuring out, like we've talked about with everything else in the podcast, figuring out my combination. Where am I at? What dose am I on? you know, how can I taper, learn, you know, it's, it's, it's overwhelming at first. It took me two months. So I just didn't get it. I just didn't know how to do it. But then, you know, once you learn, you're fine. It's almost, you know, and you feel, you feel good about yourself, you know, you're like, all right, I'm, I can do this. I'm taking control of my life here. No, not a doctor. And I can be scared because people live and breathe on what doctors say, you know, and everyone will tell you, what are you doing? Are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure of this? That's why, people in this community that's why it's a community now because so many people are ostracized from their friends and their families because they don't get it and the medical professionals they don't want to acknowledge it or help them either so they find themselves making friends on online and losing friends like i told you of you know 10 20 years family members who don't understand you know and that's it so to answer your question that's that's exactly what i would do and i would be very cautious, don't be paranoid, you know, don't work yourself into a frenzy, you know, don't, but but be cautious, you know, it's, uh, because the same industry who, and the same professionals who got you in this situation are the ones now that you're going to, to try to get off. So sit and think about that for a second and just wonder, you know, come to the conclusion of just how, if they had such, you know, laissez-faire about putting you on uh, weapons grade sedatives then what are they going to you know, care about ripping you off them?
0: A good slow taper from benzos is recommended basically by anyone who, who, have, who knows how to properly you know taper off of benzos it's, it's not going to be a quick process and that's okay and of course in my experience cannabis oil has been able to help people who I've you know uh, worked with and uh, how to do that in a way for optimal functionality is also part of the, that guidance and, you know, definitely, definitely a viable consideration as well.
1: So I concur, I concur with that,
0: you know, and uh, Charles, I look forward to speaking with you more and especially Absolutely. about any, any guidance that you or anybody, you know, ever, You know, might want about how I would go about working with cannabis oils in conjunction with what you already know about tapering from, uh, you know, from the things that you have experienced. I think that, you know, I'm always happy to be of service, of course, as you know, and um, I'm grateful to, uh, you know, have the opportunity to share anything that I'm that I'm learning through my experiences and research.
1: So. All right back at you, Brent. You know, each one teach one and I am beyond grateful to have met you and for you to help the people in the group and for your help with, you know, my personal issues as well and you being compassionate and always reaching out and asking, you know, how's the day going? All that. And, you know, just for the your listeners, if you're struggling with any sort of pharmaceutical issue that was brought up on this podcast if you're struggling with anything that even is in the realm of what we're talking about and you need help and you don't know where to go come find us you are welcome I don't care how you get here or what brought you here come find us and I will personally make sure that our group does everything possible to make sure you are on the road to a better life. Just come find us. And that's all bro.
0: Well, thank you very much. Do you have a way that you want to put out to the world that you feel comfortable putting out to the world for people to get in contact with you or or not necessarily? Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you're on Facebook, you just uh, search for Blazing Benzos. That's the name of the group. And um, the the website I gave for BenzoInfo.com, you can go to that for a hub. I'm sure I, I'm pretty sure we're listed on there as well. That they have a, a plethora of information to help you. But if you need a group to start off with, come here. And if it's not the group for you, we will find a group for you. Someone will suggest a group for you. I promise you that. Just come find us. That's all you need to do. Just show up.
0: Well, thank you, Charles.
1: Yeah. I thank you, man. I appreciate it. And uh, all your listeners, you know, be well, and um, you know, be well to others.
0: <laughs> well. You too, be well, man. Take care of our friend Charles, so you can continue to be supportive for everyone else. And, Absolutely. Uh, as always, when the show, with a deep breath.